to Who's at the Cottage, a show about getting away, being away, and all the things that happen in between. Support for this podcast comes from the fine folks at Neil Brothers, an iconic tastemaker of extraordinary foods. Hey, welcome back. I'm Maureen Norman. Hey, Mel, how you doing? I'm well, thanks. I'm Mary Ellen Lett, also known as Mel, and I'm here with my friend Chris Worth. Hello, Mary Ellen. Hello, Maureen. How is everybody? Great. Excellent. And, of course, our grill master, Andy. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming tonight. Uh, always love having you guys around the grill. Um, looking forward to, uh, to a fun half hour talking to our guests. Wonderful. Thanks, Andy. So let's, get, let's take care of this right away. Tell us about our fabulous meal tonight. Another fabulous meal. Well, we had, uh, we had steak fajita with a little, uh, with a little um, cilantro, grilled veggies, uh, served that up with some grilled shrimp and uh, seven bean salad with mango and pineapple, coleslaw. Easy peasy. Spectacular. We have a couple of great guests with us this week. First of all, we have Mark Peck. Mark is um, an exceptional expert in his field. He's going to tell us all about it. And with Mark sitting beside him is Bill Breyer. Bill is uh, equally interesting. He's got a great story. How they're related, that will be revealed in this episode. So do you know how we're going to reveal it, Mary Ellen? How are we revealing it? Well, we've been sitting around Andy's Grill. He's very generously hosted us for several weeks yes, now. Yes, he, he has. And our mission when we set out was to convince Mary Ellen that cottaging was a worthwhile endeavor. Yes. How are we doing, Mel? Well, I'm getting there. You're getting there. Well, guess what? Recently, I reflected on a conversation I had with Mel, where Mel told me she had the best childhood. So right away, a flag went up, because... We're like the generation of dysfunctional, you know, who had a great childhood. So Mel had a wonderful childhood. What did you do as a child, Mel? We camped. You camped. Yes, we did. Now, I think we traveled across country and we camped. So, Chris, Andy, do you feel we were duped a little bit? A little bit. A little bit. Some information was withheld. 100%. Like, I'm feeling like uh, I got, like, suckered into this idea that Mel had never been, you know, like it was it was totally foreign to her. Yeah. Camping counts, Missy. Yeah. So we're still friends, Chris? Uh Uh-oh. I'll get back to you. We're still friends, but this leads us to uh, why we have these great guests here with us. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, cottaging is really just the grown-up adult cousin of camping. Really, if you want to look at it that way. Mm -hmm. You're halfway there. All right. We've invented a name for it, Mel. It's called glamping. (laughs) Did we invent that? Oh, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) You can take credit for it. We're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe our guests have uh, some information they can contribute and help you get over that hurdle. Pass. It's like it's it's, it's like a passage. It's like an, uh, you know you you move on to the upper adult cousin of camping. Okay. So, interestingly, our guest to your right, Mark Peck. Maybe Mark, you'll tell us a little bit about what you do and your expertise. But what's really interesting is Mark is a camper, but now cottager. So they converted you. <laughs> they got to you, Mark. <laughs> they did. At that an age, I think, got to me. And the wonderful thing, I've done every type of camping, cottaging, anything you can imagine. I've, I've camped out in the Arctic tundra. I've sat up in cottages with friends. I've sat in goose camps up on the James Bay coast of Ontario. And I have to admit, cottages have a lot to offer. Like plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> like plumbing. <laughs> Yeah, tents are a little bit overrated. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you. Mattresses with sheets. Right? Come on. I was Roofs. in a travel trailer, as the Americans oh, say. Oh, were you? Hard top. Ooh. Airstream? 
No. Easy. Although I would love one, but no. <laughs> still. So your heart really still belongs to camping. I do enjoy it, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I want to hear more about how you got there, Mark, but let's chat with Bill for a second. So, Bill, I know that you're... Um, our, our relationship is one in business, and I know you're a city guy, but you have, uh, I think your heart really belongs to the country, so why don't you tell us about where you ended up when you decided to leave the city? Sure. Um, I live in beautiful Baysville, Ontario, which is between, uh, in the east end of Muskoka. So we chose to, I grew up in the Quarthas, but uh, for a lot of different reasons, chose to go to, um, sorry, uh, chose to go to uh, Muskoka. Not for the Muskoka name, because I know it's the New Hamptons, but I, I chose Muskoka because of the, I similarly uh, love the outdoors and love uh, nature in its purest form. Um, spent, lots of, spent a lot of time in Algonquin, and I enjoy the, um, you know, the rustic harshness of camping, it's real camping, not in a travel trailer. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, no, That's we've... totally good. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see this turning into a team sport. Um, in either case, uh, we, we chose to move to, uh, to Baysville in uh, about 15 years ago or so, and, and we've loved it since. I still have to uh, pay my penance and come to the city each week for work. Um, certainly, nef- definitely not uh, in any way, shape, or form a city person, but I do realize that a uh, certain amount of um, commerce that happens here that doesn't happen in Baysville, let's say. And uh, <laughs> so we, we do what we do. So it's it's a great place, and it's a beautiful place to live in. So you've taken cottaging to the next level and owned it. I've got off the fence and jumped in. You yeah. jumped in both feet, and, and so now it becomes res- residing. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a shift for a lot of people. But when you, I think I think uh, Mark would agree. When you go into nature and you're in there, it's purest sense. There's nothing more peaceful. Um, there's nothing that can be brought to you in the city that makes you feel like you do up north. So. Very tempting. How are you feeling, Mel? I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> Airstreamer. Horace Fraser said, "I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening." Nice. So. Mark, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your expertise in your area of, um, well, you're a subject matter expert for sure. I know you're with the ROM. Maybe you could tell our listeners what you've done in your career. So I'm an ornithologist in the Department of Natural History at the Royal Ontario Museum. And essentially what that means is I'm a bird geek. <laughs> and so I look after the bird collections, and, and I started out by camping. So my first summer job at the ROM was at university, and I spent 10 weeks camping rustically in the bush in the middle of nowhere and was the camp cook, was hired on as the camp cook. So it was this, it was this love affair of northern Ontario, and from there it's expanded into all parts of uh, Ontario and Canada. And so I've, I've camped in tents, I've camped under the stars, I've camped at cottages, I've camped in Algonquin, and every one of them has their own special moments. Okay, I'm going to ask a total city girl question. Do you ever get scared or afraid of some of the animals? Yeah, a little bit. You get used to it. The last six years I've been up on the James Bay coast, and we'd run into black bears, which is always a concern for most people. And with the exception of one, they've always run away. So eventually you get actually comfortable with black bears. Interesting. So now what about the one that didn't run away? What did you do? <laughs> yeah, she would come by every night. She had three cubs, and she would come by the cabin each night. 
and sort of scratch and trying to get in the door, and we were inside, and normally the guy beside me would wake up and said, okay, it's time to shoot this bear. I said, you know what, why don't we just try a couple of fry pans, and we'll just bang some fry pans together. And we would do that, and each night she'd leave, come back again the next day, and we never had a problem. That's such a great story. It's it's become so topical. Certainly, I've seen bears around our place. We're in the Kawarthas, and many neighbors have stories where it wasn't so friendly an encounter. But it's a great story to hear because quite often what we hear in our neck of the woods from the local people is that we're actually in their neighborhood, the Bears' neighborhood, right? So we need to be more respectful of giving them space. So, uh, Mark, I have a question for you. As, sure. a, as a self-proclaimed bird geek, is the name Peck a stage name, or is that your actual name? <laughs> no, that's the actual name, and it was probably just a natural you know, progression, and I had to move into birds uh, with a name so like that. Okay. Yeah. What else could you have done, really? You know? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about loons. Who here knows about the loon? I think everybody does. The, I think it's our Ontario bird. The little, the little gold thing that's in my pocket? No. It's oh. a loonie. Oh. Right. So, Mark, it's the Ontario bird? It's the... The pro- common loon. The provincial bird is the common loon. Yeah. So I want to dispel some myths here. Okay. I'm going to ask you, Bill, do loons mate for life? Um, my understanding is yes. Mel, what do you think? I'm thinking yes. Andy? I agree. Well, based on the fact that you're asking the question, I'm going to have to say no now. So shockingly, well, we didn't go to the expert, did we? They don't, do they, Mark? No, they don't. And there's, no. di- there's divorce. There's so divorce. There's divorce. There's, you know. Is it expensive? <laughs> Who gets it's the best? Che- it's probably cheaper for the loon. Um, no, usually loons set up territories, and if they're successful, they, they may come back to the same territory. A pair may come back. But they may also move around, so there's some flexibility in it. They only get one shot each spring, so uh, they, they try to choose carefully. Interesting. I, I, there's hmm. so many things in what you just said that upset me. You know, we grow <laughs> up, we believe in the penguin and the loon. They made for life. As humans, those animals are our role models. Yeah, that's probably a better choice than some of the other animals. Um, <laughs> because in the bird world, there's every mating system mantis. you can think of. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's polygyny, polyandry, you name it. So loons wow. aren't a bad example. Canada geese are another good example. So we've got two good Canadian icons that uh, do a pretty good job. Staying together. Making yeah. us proud. Yeah. They're working at it. Mm-hmm. They're working at it. I also, um, so obviously we're going to talk birds. I want to talk about the loon. I read that they're, not, they're terrible on land. They, their legs are set back or something. They're really, they, they don't like to come out of the what, water they, like, at all. like fall over? I don't know. Do they fall over, Mark? Yeah, loons essentially, their legs are placed so far back on their body that essentially all they can do is really push themselves on land so they can't walk. They can move on land, and if you've ever watched a loon in a nest, it'll raise itself up and then push itself onto the nest, and that's about as far as it's going to go, and the nests are always within a meter of the water. Sure, I was just going to say that. They, they don't go too far, do they? No. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really sorry that was dispelled for us, that myth. Sorry about that. Yeah. that. That made me a little bit sad. But a beautiful bird, a good choice for oh, us. 100%. Really Incredible. pretty. I love the sound. The sound. Oh. Like the loon, though, you know, sometimes I have problems walking, and usually I attribute that to a couple too many Amsterdam beer. <laughs> so, Bill, um, let's talk a little bit about your passion, because we were chatting before we started our show. We were chatting about your love of the outdoors and Mark's shared love of the outdoors. And one thing you like to do is ride your ATV. And why don't you tell us about that and how that um, 
How does that go? Because it's not always an easy pitch to people. No, it's uh, it's interesting because you said as far as the easy pitch goes because we in Lake Bays have spent a couple of years proving ourselves to the uh, have gone through the evolution of trying to to um, validate the use of ATVs in the area. So from until I met my wife, I thought all sports included motors. So I like snowmobiling and ATVing and all the rest of it that goes with it. Um, but ATVing specifically. Uh, you know, most of it's done. A lot of people have the misconception. A lot of a lot of cottagers that go up uh, north, especially in Muskoka, don't spend much time other than their dock and their cottage and the local communities and maybe their roads in between riding their bicycles and stuff like that, which is great. We do that too, um, but not many venture into the backwoods and, and experience what's actually in there. And many of the forests and that sort of thing, and, and around Baysville specifically, there's about. Uh, I don't know how many thousand uh, acres of crown land. There's lots, like three to 5,000 acres of crown land, basically extending from uh, 117 south to 118 and almost over to Highway 35 with, expect- with the exception of a few pockets. All of that land is is uh, is controlled forest, meaning that um, at different points in time they do they do harvest wood from them, and which is good for the good for the forest. It keeps it more healthy. Um, when that happens, there are many and many skid trails or skidder trails that come through. So people, when they're bringing those logs out of the woods or when they're you know going into the woods to get them, um, they create trails. Most of the ATVing goes over those same environments. Snowmobiling, as an example, brings in, a, it's a, I don't know how many billions of dollars, but it's an, in the billions of dollars industry. So, Bill, the, the ATVers are doing their ATVing? Is that a, yeah. That's the verb, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's riding? A, sure, riding. riding. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Exactly. That's good. All right. Have All right. you heard of smudding? Good English. Smudding. Yes. Uh, mudding. Not yeah, sm- mudding. Not, not smudding. Oh, I, I thought it was called smudding. No, because no, a smudding friend of mine... Different. Has an ATV and that's what he does. He go and the guys yeah. go. Smuts it up. I thought it was smudging. Sorry, yeah. mudding. That's mudding. Like I stand corrected. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. so so these 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 ATV girls, they go out. They're riding. Are they doing this much like sledders were doing? Or yeah. I, I mean, growing up, that's that's what I knew because I grew yeah. up in you know a north of north of the city. Um, so I'm used to people going. That's what. That was a winter day. You mm-hmm. went out sledding. You went out tobogganing, or not tobogganing, excuse me. Snowmobiling. Uh, snowmobiling. So ATV has surpassed that? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say surpassed that. It's, it's uh, I would the, the uh, economy of snowmobiling is much farther ahead. Um, right. What the, because I think when you live in an area that's embedded with snow, like, I mean, in Baysville, I think our average winter snowfall is 15 or 16 feet. Sure. So you better embrace winter or Kill you better go. F- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the travel trailer comes in. You can move it, <laughs> but in either case, the uh, we are, we in, we get about fifteen to seventeen feet. We are we are um, we are leeward of uh, Georgian Bay, so we get a lot of lake right. lake effect snow. Yep. Um, either case, uh, that economy is much further along. Where ATVing now, ATV tourism is is about where AT, where snowmobiling was in the, I would say in the mid to early eighties. Oh, um, okay. So, but the you know and snowmobiling today has in Ontario, I think there's thirty five thousand kilometers worth of groom trails so it really is an infrastructure that exists and they go through little towns and they have you know signage and all that sort of thing atving is just getting to that place so mark you were mentioning that you were uh participating in this atving recently yeah i was up in nunavut doing uh kind of a strange vacation but i was birding up in in the arctic and for the first week my partner and i had an atv and it was wonderful they're amazing machines. They can pretty much go anywhere, and if you stay on trail and you're environmentally sensitive, 
it, it's a powerful Why tool. Why not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the second week I walked, and I realized just how valuable that ATV <laughs> was. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um, you know, I lost weight the second week, but, um, but it, it was work. Yeah. Uh, and I think if, you know, I think what I want to see is people get outside. And if they can enjoy the outdoors and without doing a tremendous amount of damage, because every time we all go out, we're doing a, probably a little bit. Right. Um, it's all good. Yeah. I don't see any problem Terrific. with ATV or snowmobiles if, if it's done sensitive. Mm. You know, at this point, uh, I don't own a machine, either an ATV nor a, a, snow, a snowmobile. But I've always thought if I was going to get one, I would go ATV because it re- truly is a four-season uh, machine rather than a snowmobile, which, you know, based on the past winters, mm-hmm. especially in the Bob Cajun area, has been, you know, a few weeks, let alone a few months. But right. uh, I've always thought the ATV, just because it's an all-season vehicle, would be more uh, practical. In the uh, winters, we do spend a lot of time in, in Quebec uh, snowmobiling. And the interesting thing is is that the, to watch the, the Quebec people uh, north of, I would say, uh, Val d'Or, have really embraced the uh, the winter there, and they, you know, to your point, um, they have dual trail systems there, where they have uh, they have a snowmobile trail that's typically groomed and smooth and flat and fast and all that stuff, but they also have an ATV trail that's beside it, and they have all these intersections and all that stuff you have to be aware of. But the interesting thing is to watch, you know, families in an ATV or side by side we call it side by side that would come and they have a cooler and they have a you know they go for their day and they have a picnic and they have a few of them. And they'll go in the, you'll see them in the middle of a wooded area, protected from the wind and all that stuff on a sunny day, you know, sitting and enjoying, uh, Putin. you know, being Putin. No, it's cold. It's cold yeah. Okay, so it's everybody hold Putin. your thought because we'll be right back. Who's at the Cottage is supported by Grill Time Gourmet Meat Shop. Receive $5 off your next order when you mention the podcast. Grill Time at 62 Layer Drive in Leaside. Take out or cook out. Come and get it. Offer available until September 4th, 2017. Bailing out the battle boat for an early evening ride. Welcome back to Who's at the Cottage. And now, it's time for Ask Andy Anything. Each week, one of our guests asks Andy a question. Here's this week's. So Andy, here's this week's question, following on Bill's thought. You're out on the boat fishing, perhaps, or you're out in the bush, bird watching. You never know. ATVing. Smutting, mudding, whatever. Mudding, apparently. <laughs> what are some great ideas? What can you do? What do you want to bring along? What's other than poutine? What's going to be in that cooler? I wouldn't be bringing along poutine, but um, <laughs> you know, Maureen, uh, you know, one of the things that that you probably don't know about me is that I don't understand the concept of fishing. Um, I kind of take the Stephen Wright approach to fishing, that there's a fine line between fishing and just standing on the shore like an idiot. <laughs> oh, you got to love Stephen Wright. Having said you? that, I'm a food guy, and if we're going out for the day, I'll always want to be prepared with food. So I think, you know, whenever we cook dinner, I always cook extra. And whether you're going out on a boat or whether you're going out, you know, into the woods or you're going, you just have you have lunch ready by having leftovers from from the night before so you can repurpose and i think that's really important because when you go out and you're gone for hours you don't want to take anything raw that needs to be cooked so you know make a wrap out of your leftover chicken or steak so i think whatever you take with you for the day should be cooked should still be kept at at food safe temperatures in some sort of a small cooler with ice and uh, and enjoy it off you go terrific thank you We're, we're learning a lot over these uh several weeks with you andy about how to really be prepared it's pretty much as simple as just being just being just prepared, being plan prepared, ahead, yeah. plan yeah. ahead. Make a know. little extra. 
always make a little extra. Yeah, terrific. Make a little extra rather than wish you had made a little extra. Yeah, for sure. So I have a, a question, and I, I'm just going to put you on the spot there, Mark. Okay. Can you do the loon call? Um, Can you do bird let, calls? Let me see. Not very well, actually, but let's see. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, was two cans of Amsterdam in me. No. <laughs> that was you are such a good sport. I wow. really thought you were going to do it. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was disappointed. That was really disappointing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. That was a sickly bird. Uh, yeah, was, yeah, terribly was. sick. So w- one of the things um, we haven't talked about, we, we've talked about being outdoors, but we haven't talked about some of the great things about being outside and games that are outdoor games. We talked a little bit previously about croquet and uh-huh. all of those great things. I came across something. Maybe I'm in the dark. Who here has heard of washer toss? Pretty this silent that's, ring. That's a variation on uh, on horseshoes, really. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know that. See, and when you said washer, I was thinking clothes washer. Yeah. It's like, a ring, ring yeah. toss. Washing the yeah. It's like <laughs> a David Letterman yeah. special. Yeah. It's like a caber toss. Yeah. Uh, no? Yeah. Apparently it's huge, and it's uh, very big in Canada. They just had a big festival in Halifax, I think, somewhere in Nova really? Scotia. They broke the world record. 628 people tossing washers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say wow. 628 people showed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. about right. Yeah. You spent time down there. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I have. It's five called the there. Tide Fest. It was a big deal for them. Wow. So uh, wow. I'm sorry nobody here is familiar with washer tossing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. We'll have to set it up. Maybe we'll play next week. Yeah, no. I, I, if Andy me, has his back, I don't know. It's kind of looking <laughs> grim now. <laughs> no, for me, the big, big outdoor game was shuffleboard. We had a big shuffleboard court, and, and it's great. Uh, I love shuffleboard. It's so much fun. Yeah. You can play it at any age, you know, the young, the old. I love croquet, too, though. Yeah, I played yeah. croquet at my wedding at our, at our cottage. Do tell. I was just, it was just a cute little <laughs> photo op. We, just, we, were, we, had our, uh, we got married up there, and, uh, and then we had our reception at the cottage. It was lovely. And uh, we just had a couple of croquet mallets, and we were playing croquet. Have at it. I'm our, a badminton our... fan. Mm. Oh, the birdie. Mm. The birdie. Okay. Speaking of your wedding, I'm thinking you might have had reason to visit Bill at his country store. <laughs> we haven't talked about it, Bill. You own the country store in yeah, Baysville. Yeah, you do. And you sell everything. Probably party favors for weddings there. Yeah. Uh, as far as Anybody ever come by for a wedding gift? No. Not, uh, no. Just oh, sorry. no. I meant to lean in, but I was astounded. Um, <laughs> the, no, no, we have not seen a wedding party come in yet. Yeah. Wow. Really? No. We do have a chip truck there, though. So we have fed a number of people going to weddings, but not uh, sure. but not an actual wedding, wedding party. Not a physical yeah. wedding party. I'm okay, right. so for anybody out there who's thinking about planning a wedding, get married at the chip truck. Exactly. Come on. How it's cool wicked. is that? How cool is that? That would be wicked. Exactly. How big is your store? Uh, square footage was yeah, and just it's, it's uh, I don't know thirty five hundred square feet. Oh, or so. so it's quite large. It's a big yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So you must have everything. We have everything. Yes, we have gas and birdseed and fresh meat and salads and produce and. I know, Mel. You're itching. I'm itching to know what's the most popular item that you sell. <sighs> wow. You must. We know. do actually sell a ton of Neil Brothers stuff. Fireworks. We sell a lot of fireworks. We sell yeah. worms. Um, ridiculous amount of worms people feed fish because there's a lot of people that don't know how to fish (laughs) (laughs) do you have a sign at the store that says gas you know great hamburgers and live bait do you have one of those signs that sort of no combines it (laughs) no you do see them you're right we say ours is uh, gas groceries and more that's all oh 
More. Yeah. More. More. And more is the catch-all. More. Yeah, exactly. more. Yeah. more brings them in, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So now it's time for our friend Chris to take over. Chris gets curious I do occasionally. Curious. I do. And I think he has a question for our I do. Now, this is, more, this is more about, about when you're relaxing outside, okay, mm-hmm. at the cottage, because we are at Andy's cottage. So if you're at the cottage, are you more of a hammock or a lounger? Mm. Where, do you, where, do you, where do you lie? On this one. <laughs> I kill myself. Anyway, uh, what do we got? I'll jump in on that. Go, Andy. 100% a lounge. You really? Can't, it's really hard to drink and eat when you're sitting in, when you're in a hammock. You can nap in a hammock, but yeah, I can't yeah. eat and drink, and that's my okay. thing. Okay, that's your thing. All right. All right, Mel, what do you think? Hammock all the way. Okay. Mark? Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm more of a putterer, so I'm just doing little things. And, putter. But the hammock sounds like a really nice way to go. Yeah. All right, Bill, what do you think? I'm a hammock guy also. Yeah. Well, hammock's going to carry the day here. I'm a really hammock is. all day long. It really is. I have my own at the cottage, oh, and nobody me. can touch it. And oh, when it's been oh. touched, I know, because they don't roll it up the way I roll it up. Mm. And I know when it's been touched. Well, then. <laughs> it's the one don't thing I claim. Don't touch her hammock. Don't it's the one hammock. thing I claim, and I, I don't like people. Okay. No, I got it's it. It's like Goldilocks. Right. Okay. I don't like people in my hammock. Okay. Message received. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't actually have a hammock at the moment. Oh. I know, I know, uh, but I'm not a lounger. I'm not. I don't. Uh, can't get in. Well, there. how do you chill? Uh, Muskoka chair. Yeah. Oh, that's the oh. worst for your back, though. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm sorry, doctor. <laughs> it's true. Doctor Let. Doctor Let. Apparently, Lett? it's not really good for your. Back. I know you're not a fan. I know you're I, not. I know. I, I really like them. Me too. They're pretty to look at, but I they don't look know how good. But super comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And so you're a fan too. Do you sell them at the store? Yes. Really. And people stop in to buy a chair. Of course they do. Do you sell hammocks? Uh, no. <gasps> An opportunity. Because as the a recent poll just indicated. <laughs> exactly. Just and clearly seller. should. Hammocks <laughs> are the big sellers. Yes. Hammocks are yeah. the way to go. Wow. Well, you know what? Believe it or not, we're actually out of time. We've Holy. had a lot of fun. We've learned a lot. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Being uh-huh. outdoors and... Get and out there. Any parting thoughts uh, from our guests? Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I think just get out there. Yeah. That that's the best the best offer I can suggest. Yeah, Bill. I want to know how far a loon can swim underwater, because I also thought they made it for life. So I want to. <laughs> I'm totally confused. <laughs> Any other myths you want to shatter? Yeah, no. It depends on who you're talking to, but they've been underwater for up to two minutes, and they can go down. I think 200 feet or something. <sighs> so they could swim like a kilometer. Uh, probably if they have to, but uh, so I don't they're know darn near. I don't fish. know if anyone's ever done that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're more like a fish. They're more like a fish. Yeah. That's what they eat. They're beautiful. Wow. What's your favorite bird? You know, coming back from the Arctic, and there's actually five species of loons. The common loon is the one we see the most, but there's there's three or four up in the Canadian Arctic, and there's something really beautiful about them. And that's my time. <laughs> and that would is be... That you know, Mark, if you've, if you've never seen Mark's uh, Instagram account, he has unbelievable photographs that mm-hmm. he's taken on all of his trips up on his uh, on his Instagram account at Pecosaur, S-A-U-R. Pecosaur. Pecosaur. Wow. Well, everybody, let's have a look because that sounds wonderful. Well, thank you so much, everybody. It's been great. We'll see you next time. And for more information about our guests and all the fabulous food we're having here at Andy's, be sure to check us out at whosatthecottage.com. Support for this podcast comes from Amsterdam Brewery, brewing damn good beer in Toronto since 1986. Who's at the Cottage is a steak production. Executive producer, Maureen Norman. Production supplied by Gat Broadcast Services. Production assistant, Daniel Cowan. Daniel Cowan.